WLT 26. Every time I write WLT, I'm like, I just think of a BLT. You know what I'm saying? Like, can I have a, B- a WLT, but like on white? You know what I'm saying? On white? But like not on white. I mean, I don't eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, girl, <laughs> what fucking Wonder Bread ass sandwich are you eating? Is there any sandwich that is best on white bread? No. Maybe like a PB&J? PBJ is actually best on, wait for it, pancakes. So I don't agree with that, and we're just going to have to move past that. I, I can't believe you just said it was disgusting. I would ask you what your favorite type of bread is, but obviously... <laughs> the gluten-free variety. The type without gluten. Wow. I mean, not all gluten-free bread is created equally. Let me just say okay, that. Okay, so what's your favorite gluten-free bread? Wow. Um, okay, a favorite... A not favorite, um, but a brand that is really well known out there is Udi's. Udi's? Don't. Don't, Don't do get Udi's? any Udi's. They do like bagels and muffins. Like the bread in the dining halls was Udi's. No, bad. Oh, interesting. Good to know. Oh, this is awkward. Our sponsor for today actually is Udi's. <laughs> oh, no, not me just like, you know, coming online to just be mean <laughs> to people. I know. who was, It was someone else last week that you were just ripping apart. And now, geez, Ken. <laughs> this is not who I want to be in the world. I never called you Ken before. Yeah, and you're never going to do it again, actually. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so... We actually are still friends I because might. we haven't done that. I kind of like that. No. How have I never done that before? Come no, on, no. Ken. This podcast is about to be over. <laughs> hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to our channel. This is We Love That. I'm Jerome. And I'm Kenyon. And today we're talking about collaboration and creativity, picking up where we left off. Yes, getting back into some previously discussed topics and um, having a great time. How about that? Hey, Kenyon. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey there. Wow. Let's pretend this was the first time we tried to start this episode. You know, the people are none the wiser. Kenyon, I do have to start off saying something. <laughs> As opposed to-, <laughs> to not saying anything. Thank goodness. Thank Honestly, goodness. never tried that. Um, so there's a thing that happens on this podcast that we do where we're like, no one listens to this. <laughs> and that is very rude to our many devoted listeners. You know, you're really right. You're really and right. So to those of you who listen every week, we know who you are. Maybe. We love you. If you listen every week and you don't think that one of us knows, text us. Oh my God, that'd be so nice to hear. <laughs> I see. This was just a ploy. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is an expression of appreciation, thanks, and gratitude to those who buoy us mm. 
and we love you. We do love you. What, we love that? We love what? We love you, girl. <laughs> you listening here. You know in Do the Right Thing when Samuel L. Jackson is the disc jockey? Disc jockey. He's the DJ. <laughs> okay. 1987. Here we come. He's like the DJ on the radio yes, yes. station. And he's like, to all you cool cats, keep it cool out there. It's going to be hot. <laughs> I love that. He's got a great radio voice. He does. Uh, wow. Um, Kenyon, happy birthday. <laughs> wow, thank you. Um, yeah, my birthday was in between, I guess, our last episode and this episode. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. I'm aged. Like a fine, heavy cream. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was the worst image ever. <laughs> Really bad until one day it's Parmesan. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I have to accept that. You're welcome. Um, You know what? I mean, I just turned 24. And I was kind of, uh, I was feeling some sort of way about leaving 23 behind, about leaving, you know, my Jordan year. Wow. As they say. Kobe. Um. But a very, very good friend of mine, uh, shout, out, shout out to you, Zach, um, was like, Kenyon, you're turning 24. This is a highly divisible number. That's true. <laughs> and that's, exa- that's what I'm saying now. <laughs> the fact that this literally isn't going to make sense, unless if it does. And so if you agree, like, please, I'd love to hear. <laughs> but the fact that eight times three is 24 does not make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> mean it's like first of all eight and three are not numbers that speak to each other at all like eight and three have nothing to do with each other oh see that's interesting i actually feel their relationship very deeply to one this whole conversation doesn't make any sense right right Um, right. but eight and three are related by way of five and five feels very you know very front and center here we here in base 10 land um, yeah. So I really relate eight and three in, you know, like addition, subtraction realms. But I, I really feel you multiplying eight and three should not give you 24. Well, I even feel like eight plus three being 11 is like, is that right? <laughs> I just feel like anything involving eight and three is like, huh? Is that, am I remembering that correct? Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to your 83rd birthday. (laughs) Oh, my God. How incongruous. I hope I make it that far. Um, Were there, did, when you were growing up, did you ever have like, you know, when you're learning your times tables, did you have any that you just like could not get, you couldn't remember? I want to say, of course, but I have no memory of that being that way. I have a distinct memory of, um, God, eight times seven, 56. It's like, what on earth? No, that one felt so good. No, I, that to me is like 56. What on, it's, that blows my mind. No, 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 no. (laughs) Anyway, uh, math (laughs) lesson (laughs) now over. (laughs) Um, 
Kenyon, I have a moment. I'm so for glad the you world. Do. I don't know if you saw this this morning, but this is kind of following up on some past uh, hot speculative news. So you'll remember that uh, Mariah Carey posted an image with a little Christmas tree emoji um, of three, you know, Hollywood set chairs. Yes, with yes. MC, AG, and JH on them. And everyone was like, oh my God, like, what does this mean? Like, Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson, like, that's so exciting. Like, that's everyone speculated. Right. Well, this morning, Mariah Carey announced that the Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Special will be debuting on December 4th on Apple TV+. Plus. Wow. Um. And it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and the guest list includes um, Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson, who we suspected, um, as well as Tiffany Haddish, Billy Eichner, Snoop Dogg, Jermaine Dupri, Misty Copeland, oh and my gosh. Michael Michelle Harris. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody. Step everybody. right up. Come on down. <laughs> um. And uh, there will be a new music video for a song called Oh Santa, with an exclamation point, <laughs> which will be by Mariah Carey and featuring Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson. I will die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, wait, 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 wait. Oh, give me, I'm putting you on the spot right now, but like, if you had to sing Oh Santa right now, never having heard it. What oh, would Santa. it sound like? Oh, Santa, bring me my presents. Oh, Santa, <laughs> bring me the gifts under the tree. Oh, Santa, <laughs> oh, Santa. Woo. That was That's all three of them. Goes. That was Mariah, and then Oh, Santa, Ariana, and, and Jennifer Hudson. Absolutely, Jennifer. <laughs> That's the song. Okay. We're coming back to this moment when that finally comes out to see how close you were. I think that really is not going to be far off. <laughs> it's giving me Christmas bop. You're giving I me think it's got to be Christmas bop. This could be so exciting. Like, imagine, like, a Christmas bang bang with, like, but the fame factor is times, like, at least 2.5. Okay, wow. Shade at our girl Jessie That's not J. shade. <laughs> not shade. <laughs> um, um, wow. I'm very excited. I also wonder, you know, as time keeps moving in the forward direction. Uh-huh. I mean, as yes, we experience it. <laughs> well, um, you know, and as COVID also continues to be a reality, mm -hmm. and as people still also put out content that requires, you know, kind of close collaboration and being in the same space. <laughs> I'm sure. like, when did you when did you make that Christmas special? How did you do that? Like, <laughs> not to like, I'm not trying to like, you know, rain on anybody's parade. Uh huh. Because you know that it will give me life. Come December fourth, I will be watching it with my entire family. T. And be thankful and be grateful. <laughs> Which what's the difference again, Katy Perry? Please let me know. Oh, I wonder if Katy Perry got the call to Ooh. be on Oh Santa. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I don't think it's likely. But you know what I, I mean? Like, 
people keep making stuff and putting things out, and I'm like, oh, wait, how are you doing that? Well, you know, Christmas specials get filmed in, like, July. So famously, we were actually in a pandemic then. We were in a pandemic in July, that's true. <laughs> um, I think that what you're really pointing to is that it is you know, very interesting that we have made it possible for some people to come back and do things safely and not possible for, you know, other people to do that. By that, I mean some people like rich celebrities and other people, I mean, anyone who's not a rich celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) I see. So money, honey. You know money. Have you heard about money? What's happening You might like it. Oh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, I'm very, that's a very good moment for this world because every other moment is like, you know, Republicans in random places making random ploys to to disenfranchise black voters after the fact. And I don't want to talk about any of that. That is dumb (laughs) and bad. And another one. I don't like that. Very good. (laughs) So thank you for that joyous um, and, uh, you know, seasonal moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really hope I'm right about Osana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, here's here's what I really wanted to bring up. What if Osana is amazing and it goes number one and then it's Mariah Carey's 20th number one? <gasps> we'll have to throw a party. Oh, we'll absolutely have to throw a party. Because if it goes number one, she will be tied for the most number ones at 20. With who? With the Beatles. Oh, well, something's got to... Change that. <laughs> <laughs> she already is the uh, single artist right. with the most number ones. Um, Her career has been so long. Correct. I mean, she's the four-decade queen. The only four-decade queen. Well, I mean, there are, like, Michael no. Jackson. No. No. Yeah, absolutely. Four decades of number ones. Okay, well. She's, no, Kenyon, I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't like a riddle. (laughs) She is the only person, the only act, the only artist to have number ones in four decades. From Vision of Love in 1990 to All I Want for Christmas is You in 2020. (laughs) And that is iconic. Just, can we get a round of applause? Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, can you stop and just, like, give it up for Mariah? Because she's been here. Yes. Wow. She's out here. She's been here. She ain't leaving. And she is loved by me. (laughs) By all of the lambs. Wow. I'm telling you, ever since I read her book, I have been radicalized as a lamb. Wow, the lamely has just gained one more. One more lamb into the flock. <laughs> and our shepherd is the one, the only Mariah Carey. Okay. Mariah Carey! <laughs> well, I think with that, we actually have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a couple episodes back, you know, Jerome and I me and Jerome, I and also Jerome. Please stop talking. (laughs) 
Um, you know, we interviewed each other and we had a gorgeous time, didn't we? Yes. I had a great time. And we were giving you, you know, creativity. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that full yes and there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing along. <laughs> yes, I had a great time when we interviewed one another. We just we just needed more time, and so we're giving ourselves more time because we're in charge of this podcast. We are in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we have more things to talk about. Um, I agree. Regarding making things, regarding creativity, um, regarding inspiration, regarding influence, regarding, regarding. Regarding, regarding. I actually want to start with a bit of a backdoor. Mm. It's something that came up. Um, it's something that came up before, and it's something that I really have been thinking about a lot now, and honestly, is very topical. Re our recent discussion of position. I have been thinking a lot about okay. Well, with positions in particular, that positions is a song. Positions is an album of music that I like, though. I do not often feel that I like am looking to turn on that kind of music. Mm. Um, and it kind of has me thinking about like, okay, music that I like, but I don't listen to. Is this something that you experience? Like, do you have music that you're like, I love this. I will never listen to it again. Yes. Yes. I feel like I've said that many, many times. And yeah. now I'm like, okay, regarding what? <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, here's another example that I like recently stumbled back into. The 2018 new cast recording of Oklahoma is so good. And I really love it. You know, I love Oklahoma. Yeah, but it's do. like, I'm not just turning it on. And it kind of has gotten me into like, well, why not? Like, what is it that I use music for okay, well, you know how I feel about that question, and you I know I love. Well, I'd like you to <laughs> to, <laughs> to elucidate. <laughs> I I feel like we talked about this maybe on on the cast, maybe just in our lives. What's the, the difference? Cast. I don't know. I will. I maintain the cast is better than the pod. Anyway, <laughs> Ooh, um, but I'm I. I'm of the opinion that most people that I come in contact with nowadays, well, I don't come into contact with anyone <laughs> nowadays. Very good. But, you know. <laughs> in Unlike Miss Mariah Carey. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Santa. Um, but, you know, in the past, like talking to people around my age, I asked this question, basically. I was like, when, but kind of in, in a couple of different ways, like when do you find yourself listening to music like, why do you turn it on? Mm -hmm. um, how do you listen? Headphones, you know, speakers with friends alone. Um, mm -hmm. And so many people, at least the people that I asked and that I talked to, were like, I mostly listen to music alone. Mm. Like, through my headphones, earphones, whatever. And, like, mostly to, like, help me along doing something else. Like, it's backgrounded. Okay. Um, and I'm like, oh, wow, I love listening to music that way, but also I will lo like just like putting stuff on and being like, this is, this has my entire attention. Yeah. Um, but I think the question of like, 
how we use music now culturally has a lot to do with how we value music now too. Um, sure. And the streaming of it all, making music, it has devalued, I think. And it's hard to say, but I think it's devalued a little bit how just the position of, of music in our culture. It's like, you can just have it. You can, anybody can have any of it at yeah. any time. So yeah. if I turned it on now, I, I'm not even maybe listening to it. I'm, I just, I hit shuffle. Like, go back 30 yeah. years, what do you mean hit shuffle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah, what do you mean you have a library of, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of tracks that you can listen to? And, and ooh, what's going to come on that? Like, that just wasn't... Right. <laughs> you know, the closest you got to that was like... I, I don't know, like at least with CDs, you could kind of genuinely shuffle through CDs, but even that is like, you know, only so many at a time. Right. Um, I mean, do you remember those you like, back, um, those six CD changer exactly. um, things? It's like that comes about because you want to have like more than one CD like available right. to play at. Like, <laughs> remember that? <laughs> remember having music physically? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, no. I I was asking my students a similar question this week um, about what they use music for, and a lot of them said as an escape, like they want to not be in the world that they are in, and so they want the music to distract them from that or whatever. And I guess, I mean, I wouldn't say that I don't do that. I guess there are certainly times when I'm like, oh, like I'm stressed out. Like I want to listen to some music that's going to like calm me down, which I guess is an escape. But mostly I like, I don't, and, and a lot of them said the same thing in terms of like, oh, something to have on in the background, whatever. But like, I really put on music to like really key in and like focus on it and like listen to it. Um, and I honestly listen to a lot of other stuff to have just on in the background, a lot of just like old SNL YouTube videos or the millions of podcasts that I listen to to have while I am doing dishes or moving into my apartment, which I'm doing right now or whatever. Right. Um, but music, again, not that I don't use music for that, but it's like I just am not that it just is it just does not happen that way for me which i think gets back to why i have always not always but like why i recently have felt like oh yeah like the vibey music that's like okay you get to turn it on and kind of just check out and like lose yourself in it whatever right is not the the stuff that i'm most interested in because it's just when i it's not what i turn on music to do um and that is really how i feel about like positions, I think, is a great example of that in terms of like, oh, this is really good. But like when I'm when I want to go like turn on some music, it's probably not gonna be this. Right. I mean, I feel that with positions. I know that I'm not gonna come back to it as often as I come back to most other things. Um sure. but that sounds like that use of like vibe sounds very environmental. To me, it sounds like very yeah. atmospheric and like it's like you're putting up wallpaper or you change the color of your lights. 
Um, yeah. It's like, let me just like tint my experience of the world right now with some music. Like somebody's scoring your life, but like it's really the stuff that's happening in the picture that's important. It's not really the music. That's just kind of like aiding, which I, I mean, I, I think I love that in some ways because that makes me listen to the world differently too. Sure. Cause then it's like, okay, well like what is the sound of my environment and how is like what I'm listening to in my headphones? Is that interacting with or canceling out the noise slash music of my surroundings? Um, yeah. And life is getting noisier. <laughs> Don't like, I know it. You know, metaphorically, but also literally, truly, there's some statistic like by, you know, 2050, something like 70% of us human beings <laughs> are going to live in like urban centers. And that's noisy. Whoa. That is noisy. Say that again. Now I'm like, okay, did I really get that? I know. <laughs> I kind of told you. <laughs> but, Say that again with a caveat that it might not be real at all. I mean, as always. Okay, but this wait. is the general idea. <laughs> right, right. So the general idea is that by 2050, the majority of people are going to be living in urban centers. Wow. And, you know, that comes with the public transportation, the apartment building, the truck noises, the everything of it yeah. all. Um. And this is a great time to uh, to just put a reminder that we do fact check ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> and someone will be fact checking this later right? and putting it right there in the description for so, you to find out if it is true or not. Absolutely, <laughs> check the big the reveal. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, like life is getting noisier. There are fewer places that are like undisturbed by man made noise just on the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which like that's gotta be. That's got to weigh on us as human beings somehow. Like, it's gotta, I don't know. That, that's a, that feels like a big change in our I agree. existence. Not to make it all existential. Yeah, I mean, there certainly is like, humans have only been sticking things in our ears to play loud sounds for <laughs> under 50 years. Like real seconds. It's like, what's up with that? <laughs> Like, what is that doing to our ears? What is that doing to the way that we hear things? I worry about that just to, like, my ability to hear. I'm like, yeah. is this, like, is this okay? <laughs> like, am I damaging myself a little bit right now? Like, that is the question. And unfortunately, I think the answer is yes. When I was a kid, this is literally a true story. When I was a kid in, like, third and fourth grade, um, Disturbia had just come out by Rihanna and girl, that was my jam. Like, I always wanted to listen to Disturbia. There was never a time that I did not want to be listening to Disturbia. And, I mean, it's so good. And I would ask, I didn't have enough, none of my friends had phones. I was in the third and fourth grade. Um, but my friend Blair had an, iP an iPod Touch, girl. Wow. Now that's fancy. Um, and I would ask to borrow her iPod Touch, and I would take the headphones and, like, put in the headphones and play Disturbia at the maximum volume. <laughs> like, two or three times a day. <laughs> this is Which very is like, new behavior. This is consistent to who I know you to be now, today. <laughs> first of all, correct. <laughs> but I'm also like, 
why did I do that to my ears? <laughs> you know, that there are so many things that, like, we do to our bodies that it's like, well, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, why is it that, like, the enamel on your teeth, it's like, when it's gone, girl, it's gone, girl. <laughs> 2014. I just don't understand why it has to be that way. Uh, don't you ever, for a second, get to thinking that this is replaceable? <laughs> yeah, your eardrums, <laughs> your enamel. <laughs> um, wow. I I was I went back and revisited our conversations from earlier regarding Think. creating creationism. <laughs> That too, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe as you know, maybe this is a nice segue out of, you know, taking care of, like, listening, our, our listening habits. Uh-huh. Like, you know, careful, creative habits. Um, okay. And, like, something that we kind of danced around a little bit was just, like, creative ethics. Mm-hmm. You know, last time we talked, we talked about your show and putting people of color on stage, putting queer people on stage, representing people, etc. Oftentimes, when, when people, the stories that get made featuring especially people of color, like, are a lot of stories about violence, about trauma, about, about very, very specific and particular, like, experiences within a community. Yeah. Um, I know this is a real left turn from what we were talking about. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm wondering how do you think of, if at all, like, any sort of creative ethical, like, like is what I'm making, like, okay to make? Like, sure. is this okay to make and show people? Like, is this safe for people to do, to play, to sing, to... Sure. I've... It's something that I have been thinking about all that I think about all the time um, with this show uh, because it deals with the loss of a family member, and I have not experienced the loss of an immediately of an immediate family member. Um, and whenever someone whenever I talk to someone in the context of the show who has experienced that, I have this instinct to be like, Oh no, I I'm a fraud. I've, you know, I've written about this thing and maybe you were hoping to like connect with me because you think it's something that I've experienced and it's not. Mm. Um which I don't think is the that is like my knee-jerk instinct reaction. I don't think that that like is the be all end all. Um but I think it's very interesting um because like what are you know, what is the boundary of that? Like, when is it okay to bring a certain story to life or to write about a certain type of experience that is not directly your own or to, like, use a type of story as a method by which you're sharing the thing that you want to share? Um, like, for me, I the musical feels a lot... It, it's about a lot of things that I feel I have really viscerally experienced and like had something to say about in terms of like 
planning for something and losing it in terms of like having a dream and like not being able to follow through on it in terms of mm. like things coming in and uh, setting your life on a totally different track that feel totally outside of your control. Um, and those are things that feel accessible to everyone. That's stuff that happens to everybody. Um, and so why have I used a very specific type of story that has not happened to everybody? Um, and like, where are the boundaries of that? It also reminds me of, um, this is also kind of a, a left turn, but do you watch Big Mouth at all? I don't. Um, did you or did you hear about the casting moments in oh, Big no. Mouth? So there's, <laughs> they've done three seasons. Um, the fourth season is coming out in December, I think. And uh, there's one character who has, uh, I believe, this girl's dad is black and her mom is Jewish and white. Um. And the char- the actress voicing this character was white. But the character herself, her name is Missy, appears as black, like has dark skin, like is a black character. Is mm-hmm. also a Jewish character. The actress also is Jewish. Um, but, you know, during all of the hullabaloo <laughs> of our <laughs> summer of racial justice. Um, Not hullabaloo. <laughs> She stepped down and said, you know, I I shouldn't be voicing this character. This is a black character and we there already are not, you know, there already is a disproportionately small number of voice actors who are non-white. Right. Um and a disproportionate number of voice actors who are black. And so let me step aside because someone else should be doing this. Um and a lot of the backlash to that decision to her choice to step down was like you know, this is TV. We are acting like, why do we, do we have to directly embody the character, every character that we play? Um, hmm. And, you know, when is it okay to act and when does it become problematic? When does it become appropriative? When does it become blocking other people from, from being able to share their personal experiences? Obviously a lot of it has to do with, you know, the history of it all, you know, that like playing someone with a peanut, with a peanut allergy is very different from playing someone of a marginalized identity. Right. (laughs) Um, but I, I've been talking for so long, but I only brought that up to say that I was talking with my friend about it and, you know, and she was saying, well, there are, there was nothing about the character that seemed like it was, you know, that seemed particularly black or like seemed like it was necessary to have a black person like voicing that experience. And that to me kind of get like, I think that that in itself is a problem. I think that you and I both know, I think that anyone of any sort of marginalized identity knows that that plays into everything that (laughs) you do and think and feel and experience and how you interact with other people. Right. Um, And so, you know, I don't think that every queer story should be about getting gay bashed and getting kicked out of your house. I don't think that every black story should be about slavery or the 1960s. Um, But I also know that a good storytelling about that in a good way is going to include those facets of people's identities. Um, And like what comes next is a show that 
features a lot of queer characters, but is not about coming out, really, kind of. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is a coming out element of it, but I, I wouldn't say it's a show about coming out. It's not a show about getting gay bashed. It's not a show about, like, you know, the typical things that we're used to queer stories being about. But it still is very much a queer story because it is not like, you know, here are our regular white, straight, cis characters. Right. <laughs> and one of them is black. <laughs> like, all the, you know, you can imagine, oh, this is Friends, but Joey is played by a black guy. But, like, nothing else has changed. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it sounds like what you're... I'm reading into what you're saying, but it sounds like what you're advocating mm-hmm. for is, like, people, like, use your imagination. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the the element of, like... Yeah, you're right. Not every story has to be about those things, the the slavery moment or the coming out gay bashing moment. Um, but to write characters who live their lives totally agnostic to those things is also, is just farcical. <laughs> yeah, that's just not realistic. <laughs> right. Um, and there are people right now who live real lives who, you know, aren't enslaved but like live with real ramifications cultural ramifications of that 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 reach into what may seem like really disparate you know parts of their lives but they're they're there yeah um and it's real and it kind of just takes actually using your imagination to write a story that doesn't just regurgitate like what we kind of assume is a quote-unquote black story from yeah you know, what the stuff we have out right now. Yeah, that, and it's very interesting because I feel like, you know, I was not an adult. I was not participating in the discourse 10 years ago, but I feel like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there very much was a movement of like, you know, black stories don't have to be about racism. Like for a black person to be on stage for any or on screen for any like character of color to be on, to be included in the story. It doesn't have to be about how they are a person of color or whatever. Right. Um, which I feel like, I mean, now it is, now we have connected like the world of like mainstream art making, whatever to like a critical race theory that says that that is, colorblind in a lot of ways. And, you know, this translates to many different things. Like, this translates to, like, the the thing that just came to my mind, I don't know why this is what came to my mind, but thinking about, like, how to get away with murder and scandal, mm. like, that these are shows about strong black women um, being really successful in fields that, that have been historically exclusive to black women. Um... And while the show is not itself about, like, I'm clawing tooth and nail and, like, there's some white guy who's telling me I can't do it and I'm like, I'm going to show him. And, like, that's the narrative arc of every story. Like, that's not right. every episode. That being said, like, it it's not like, you know, and here we all are, a big happy family and one of us is a black woman. <laughs> you know, it's right. it's it is realistic. It is that there is something more realistic than, you know, oh, if we want to talk about black people, it has to be like about slavery or it has to be take place in the sixties and it has to be in black and white or whatever. But also like that doesn't mean, you know, in big mouth, 
okay, you have all of these characters and like one of them you're going to color in brown <laughs> instead of white like the other ones. <laughs> right. Um, that there is, we know that there are parts of life that are different if you come from a different background. That like these standard stories that we hear are anything standard like standard equals white standard equals male standard equals straight standard equals cis standard equals of a certain class dynamic depending on <laughs> what we're talking about um and it's just not realistic to to pretend as though that doesn't exist right and then i guess stepping into making it becomes like the, I feel like there's a, a degree to which some people, like the like the critics of the choice for the big mouth actor to step down, is like that's you're being largely, those people are being largely culturally kind of, to use the same word, agnostic, to just yeah. be like art doesn't have to be. Let's talk in the abstract. Let's speak about. I don't know. I'm getting back to that point where you say, where's the line for me, a person who has not experienced some things to to talk about those things or to sure. incorporate elements of a, of an experience into a story that I'm writing. Um, I mean, I think that that, that line is moves, you know, like yeah. w- with the, with the time, like there's, there's nothing that gets made and watched or released or listened to or seen that watched and seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, well, like, sometimes you're watching it and sometimes you're seeing wow. it. Wow. I mean, we'll have to have a whole moment on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, like art is a cult. That is culture. Like that there's yeah. and there's a cultural history that that comes into play with. You're not just listening to something in a vacuum. We don't experience these things in a vacuum. Right. And I feel like a lot of people want to make things and imagine things like they're just like painting in some sort of like on a real blank canvas, on a real, like, and that's all well and good sometimes when you're making things, like, in your own little corner, in your own little writing room. Yeah. But then when you show them to people, it leaves, you know, the the kind of blank canvas of your mind, and it it interacts with real things that are happening that have happened with real problems and real experiences that are going on in the world. Um, Yeah. Which is like a scary thing. And it's like that question of like, how do I know that this is something I'm ready to show people? Mm. Even ethically there, like I feel like there's a big question. Yeah. And that is really hard. I mean, I don't know what... (sighs) That's kind of why for me when I am in the process of creating something, I am always trying to get someone else to look at it. I'm always trying to like expose it to some sort of audience um, to see if, you know, not just, oh, does this make sense? Like, do, do these dots connect? But also like, like, can I do this? <laughs> like, is this okay right, that I'm right. doing this? Um, I mean, it, I'm really used to thinking about this, not from an ethical perspective, but from like a, a craft perspective. Like, have I done enough to this for it to be like something that I am putting out there? Um, I do some to like, <laughs> as we've been <laughs> casting this show, 
um, we were using sides from it as for the callbacks. And I was like, wow, we're like using sides from the, like, is this good? And is it like polished enough? Is it, have we worked on it enough for like people to be reading it as though it is like, uh, typically when you're like reading something to, to perform it, you're taking it as for what it is. And mm-hmm. you're not saying, okay, well, there's parts of this that could be better or like needs to be tweaked or whatever. You're saying, okay, as it is written, how does it make sense? How do I make it make sense? Um, and, you know, that really had me thinking about like, ooh, like, are we really at a point where like, where the task is to make this make sense as it's written? Or are we still in the realm of, does this make sense yet? And like, do we still need to tweak it to make sure that it makes sense? Um, and thinking about that ethically, I think is a really interesting level of it, um, in terms of like, okay, what, like, what have we done here? And like, is it okay? (laughs) I mean, it sounds kind of silly to be like, is it okay that we did this? Um, but I think about like, I think the thing that's coming to mind right now is, um, Jeremy O'Harris's slave play, which at the end depicts a really graphic, sex scene some might call it a sexual assault scene um and that kind of you know that's the question of the piece but it's like is it okay that this has been put up and put in front of people um like has has this work been created carefully enough so that we can take it at face value and learn from it or is it still in a realm of um uh, this doesn't quite fit. This doesn't quite make sense yet. And so like should be changed. Yeah, that gets, my brain is really running into some like wild places because I myself have been thinking about my responsibility as a performer to maybe not actually take everything at face value. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of things, especially growing up and going to predominantly white institutions like I did, like you did, where it's like, Looking back, I'm like, oh, you really just, you really just took that script. You really just played that part, Kenyon. You really just like did that thing that they asked you to do. And I'm not, you know, beating myself up for it. But looking forward, I, I think that there's a, I know that I feel some sort of responsibility as a performer as well as a maker, but on the performance side to be like, actually, I'm not gonna say that. Or like, I don't know if this is. Like when, when people hand you that thing that is like, here it is. And just, this is the text. The text is sacred. And it's like, well, but this actually doesn't play right now. Like me, this person, this body, I'm not going to stand up on stage and do that to this audience. Um, But that's so difficult for actors and performers to do right now because there's no support for that. You know, if you say, well, I'm not going to do this. You just get fired. And someone yeah, else I mean, is eagerly, you know, waiting for a job and will take right. your spot. It's just never been the culture. And I, I'm sure you remember as well as I do, like looking at a script that is filled with like typos <laughs> <laughs> and having some director be like, the book is the the star of the show and we have to honor what's written. And it's like, they couldn't even write it down right. <laughs> it's like... Who, why does this, why does that mean that, you know, this thing is in its final form and cannot be improved upon if I'm literally looking at ways that I can improve? (laughs) Literally. 
And I know it's that. Just ne- that's never been the culture. Right, right. Um, and that gets in my way even when I try to approach making something. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I am like, oh, I'm making the thing that, like, you know, I'm writing the notes on the page that someone's going to take as, like, right. the gospel truth. <laughs> right. It's like, actually, maybe that just that whole mindset is wrong, both for the performer and for the writer. It's like, let me take some of the burden off of myself as I'm making this thing to and not, not to put disclaimers in front of my work, but like under, understand that like the stuff that I'm making is just as imperfect as the person making it. <laughs> sure. Yes. And that, that always has been true. Right. Right. That that is not something that's just true for you or true for people making things now or true for people who are not white or true, you know, that always has been true. And it is so interesting the ways that like, you know, access to that is also privileged. I mean, we, you know, we know, (laughs) we know this, but like, do we know it? (laughs) That like, it is very easy for someone who, you know, getting back to that standard experience, whatever, for someone who, like, comes from that standard experience or is selling a standard experience, standard, again, meaning white, you know, not poor, uh, cis, straight, male, usually, Um, you know, at least four of those five things, (laughs) Um, that something kind of haphazard but true to that experience gets to fly. Whereas something that like maybe makes a lot of sense to another experience that is just comes from a different background, then it needs to be so perfect and precise and palatable and accessible to everyone, even though, you know, maybe the goal is not for everyone to be able to receive it. Right. Or maybe everyone would be able to receive it if there were many people who were used to receiving things that were not designed specifically for their experience or specifically for them to to receive. Okay, I want to play a little... It's not a really... It's not a game, because I didn't I come up for rules with the game. Okay. But I want to see if we can, like, come up with guidelines or, like, North Stars around collaboration. I okay. feel like I've, I have asked this question kind of to you the first time we talked, and I know I, I, like, touched on it. I was trying to get here with you and Noah, too. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I, I just know that you and I... Well, our collaborators. <laughs> you and I must make a pact. We must bring salvation back. <laughs> wow. Um, yes. That's what I'm going to propose that as my first rule is saying yes. Say yes to your collaborator. <laughs> I actually don't know if I think that should be a rule. Oh, yes. I, well, I think say yes. In terms of like, like be ready to listen and be ready to say yes. Be ready to like make something work. Be ready to make an idea fit in. Mm. And then like, I feel like in the collaborations where I've felt most comfortable, I feel like when I've been working with you or with Noah or with many other people that I've worked with in the past, I feel the most comfortable saying no if I know that 
I did not already decide that I was going to say no. Right. I then don't have to worry about like, oh, this person is going to think that I just am shooting down their idea or they're going to think that, you know, I don't know, that they know that I'm saying no to an idea or because I really have, you know, given it a shot and like wanted to make it work and just have not seen it. And that also doesn't mean like, you know, no forever. It just, and I think I said this in the episode with Noah, it just is like, I'm not seeing it. Like I'm not seeing it there. And so like, let's continue to Mm -hmm. figure out if that is the path or like, can you explain it to me in another way? Or can you, you know, what if it was a bit different from that, but in a way that like is making it make more sense to me? Um, like being ready to make everything work, which I think is saying yes, but it is not say yes as a rule. Right. I like that. I really like that. Um, I mean, something that's been on my mind is, okay, well, before I just move right on, I love, I love openness and I'm, <laughs> I'm adopting that as one of my practices of collaboration. Work. Practices of collaboration. I love. Should we start a podcast called Practices <laughs> of Collaboration? I actually think it's called We Love That. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, actually, this is a good. I was gonna go into timing. I'm really like. I'm figuring out about myself that like. I like have just particular creative timing of just like when I feel like is the right time for me to work on something and like to like, Oh, like I'm in the place where this is my energy is going to be best spent on this project instead of like coming to somewhere and kind of like beating myself up over not having anything to do on that project. It's like, well then just don't work on that. (laughs) Um, But when working with another person that becomes difficult. Um, Sure. Or can become difficult when it's like figuring out how to sync up or how people can compensate or complement each other in their readiness or timingness or whatever. Um, Yeah. And I feel like, you know, almost every week we kind of do that dance (laughs) for for this project. It's like, okay, well, do you know what we're going to talk about? I don't know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Well, let's see, let's think, let's call. And it's like something does happen. You know, we show up every week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like part of that is, um, I mean, this feels kind of like a separate rule. But for me, like, I totally agree that that timing element is really important and that that feels central in general in collaboration that like you have to be able to you know work on the same you have to be able to work on the same schedule or at least like be okay with not working on the same schedule if you're not working on the same schedule Mm -hmm. um and that we are people who can um be very flexible in that way um which is kind of like a a smoothed out way of saying we say we're going to record every Monday and then sometimes we procrastinate or we don't feel like it and we push it off and then it's Tuesday and then we push it off again and then it's Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) But like part of that is that that's why we say we're going to record on Monday because if we do it on Monday and it's, it works and it's great, then it's great. And if we have to push it off, which we know sometimes we are that way that we have a buffer. 
Um, so I think like finding people that you can like work on that same timeline with, or, you know, I know that I can like text you about a thing in the middle of the night and you know that I'm not saying, oh, do this thing right now. Right. And that like, that is just how we can like, you know that about me and I know that about you work. Um, I think I was going to say that another rule is that like, sometimes people just are not compatible to collaborate with each other and that that's okay. And that like, we should be okay. Like we should be okay with that. Right. Like if there is someone who like is an amazing person, makes incredible work, makes work that I love, makes work that I would love to make with them. That's all well and good. But like, if they're like, okay, and we're on the deadline at the end of every day and we're checking in and like need to make sure that we've like checked off our bullets for the day. I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm so sorry that I, I can't do that. <laughs> and that that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't, you know, right. it just is like, maybe this is not going to work out. Or like, you know, we have to figure out a way to collaborate that like brings us both in that way. Um, I think that like that last part is big because I know that some of the best times, the the times that I recall that, that feel so good, there's like an element of spontaneity in them of like, sure. Oh, you know, we were just there and there was a piano and, and then this thing came out and we were, we did it together. Amazing. That's yeah. that feels so like, Art, creativity, like the glamorized <laughs> version of process. Um, yeah. But I feel like what you were getting to there too is like there there actually has to be some sort of mutual agreement like set up beforehand to collaborate. Yeah. Uh, whether it's about timing or anything else, just like how, like how are we going to work together? And sometimes yeah. you find those people who like – you don't actually have to make everything explicit and stuff works. Um, right. But that doesn't mean that there's not an agreement going on. Right. Um, and sometimes the agreement has to be more explicit. Well, I feel like we, you know, live in such a standardized prone world that people love to kind of, or that socially, culturally in America, for instance, that there was a time when it was like, okay, well, we're all going to get on the same schedule (laughs) and we're all going to do things the same way. So that way, we're all compatible with each other. And it doesn't matter, you know, what office you walk into or what, you know, person you have to work with, whatever. Like, we all, like, work by the same rules and on the same schedule and, like, things are due, you know, on Mondays and, you know, whatever it is, like, whatever all those rules are. Um, And I would hope that we are, like, getting to a place where it is okay to work in different ways and figure out ways to collaborate such that everyone can like optimize their own work. Not because not such that like everyone meets in the middle for everyone else. And like no one is in their comfort zone, but that like, you know, there are more creative collaborative ways to work together um, that actually optimize what people are good at and like where people do their best work. Yeah. 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 Like, I can't, I can't imagine having to, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, work that I have to do now. Like, if I had to write all of my grades, like, at the same time as everyone else, that just would be miserable for me. But the fact that I can, like, 
write them in in the middle of the night because that is just when my brain is on really works. Like that is, that's good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, kind of a weird example, I guess, but like the, the fact that, or I guess the, the best way of applying that is saying like to my department chair, Hey, yeah, I don't have them ready right now. And I know that they're due, you know, tomorrow at noon or whatever, but I know that I, you know, when it hits 1030, I'm going to be able to crank them out. Right. And that he says, cool, got it. I trust you to know what you, what you're, how you're going to be able to do this. And it only becomes an issue if it's not getting done. There's also, I feel like, you know, a fuel or, or maybe I shouldn't presuppose it, but like, is there, is there stuff that fuels collaboration? Like if you want to like stoke a creative relationship, um, like, how do you nourish a creative relationship? Like, what, like, say you're creating, you're making something with somebody, like uh, anything, like a podcast. <laughs> Actually, we have to stop using ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, I kind of was going to ask, are you asking for me or are you asking in general? I think, I mean, mostly just for you. Yeah. But I think, you know, out of out of that, I'll take my own, I'll take what, what resonates and leave what doesn't for me. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, I think that um, the more that we talk about it, the more I can only think about fusion and Steven Universe. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the uninitiated, Steven Universe is a cartoon <laughs> about these, like, aliens. And there is a way for two or more aliens to like combine and create a new persona character um, that like is a combination of the two original characters. And part of like figuring out how to do it is like they have to like it, it is specific to each combination. Mm-hmm. Um, And the more that I think about collaboration, like, you know, I think that for me, it is true. Or how about this? I think that in general, to collaborate well, you have to be in a space where you can say anything and it's okay and, like, you don't feel attacked by that. I only say that because that is true for me. And I've never been involved in collaboration that has not included me. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Are there people out there who, like, don't need that or, like, that would be, you know, bad for them. I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I, I can't think of why, but also that's because those people aren't me and I'm not those people. For sure. Um, for me, it is about being able to enter into it with abandon, being able to say, okay, I don't have to be worried about, you know, something not being right or something not working out or something it's sounding dumb or like, like a lot of the... <laughs> insecurities that I often feel and I think that's really interesting because part of it is like oh is the other person making you feel this way part of it is like just the self-doubt and like am I sure enough in myself to like now try to create something with someone else um for me it is a lot of insecurity around like am I good enough at this to be doing it with someone else um are my ideas good enough as they come out of my head for me to share them with someone else without tempering them first or without like really polishing them first um, like, what if I say something wrong that 
the wrong in quotes that like everyone who does this in quotes should know already in quotes. Right. Like, you know, what if I like have to ask a question or I, you know, am not aware of how to like do a specific thing or like do a specific element of, of whatever we're working on. And how do I like ask about that? So like, those are often the things that like I find hold me back is that it, me just being like, you know, Oh, I'm not good enough. Or like, Oh yeah, I can play the piano cause I can like read something and figure it out, but I can't improvise with other people on the piano because it's not, I'm not good at that. That's not what I do. Mm. Um, those are like the things that have to be out of the way for me to be able to in- enter into collaboration with someone, um, depending on like, you know what it is. Yeah. And I mean, to, to frame it in the, in the positive then, instead of like lack of insecurity, it sounds like security. Like, sure. yeah. Like coming into a creative space that feels safe, that feels yeah. like secure, that, like won't throw you out because you make a misstep. Right. Um, I love this. Yeah. Well, tune in next week for uh, our practices of collaboration. (laughs) I mean, I want to, I do want to get into the practices of collaboration. I really love that one girl. What do you, what's in there for you? What do you see? I don't know. I see us writing a book about it. I love it. And it being a number one bestseller. I see it all so clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have a binary? I don't at all. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the crystal gems. (laughs) Now, see, this is interesting because my binary was also going to be about the crystal gems. No, 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 no. Well, you go first. Well, last time we were, you know, when I interviewed you... You said that you were very Pearl originally, but then you said, no, 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 I'm a Steven. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I want to challenge that. I want to challenge <sighs> that. What do you, what say you? Maybe I'm an amethyst. So this was going to be the binary. <laughs> Pearl amethyst. Between Pearl and amethyst? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Why would you make me choose something like that? I'm an opal. I am pearl and amethyst fusion. That's kind of a spoiler. But girl, that is not the spoiler. So. <laughs> I mean, the show definitely breaks down binaries. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. If you are not watching Steven Universe, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. It might be my favorite television show of all time. It's amazing. Is that true? It honestly might be. It's, I mean, it's revolutionary. It really is. It's game changing. Um, Pearl Amethyst. I don't know. I guess Pearl, nothing against Amethyst at all. I actually love Amethyst. I guess if I had to, why do I choose that? I think that I find Pearl's storylines more relatable, and I think that they give Pearl better songs (laughs) than they give Amethyst. Amethyst just doesn't have a lot of songs on her own. And Pearl has like 40. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because Pearl can really sing her face off. T. Amethyst can also sing. Well, I mean, I have to also go with Pearl just because I think temperamentally that's just more my speed. Where you are. 
Yeah. See, I feel temperamentally I have a lot in common with Amethyst. We'll see. You made your choice. You made your choice. Okay, well then for you, I would say Stephen or Garnet. This is not real. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm, I'm Garnet, absolutely, actually. I have to go with Stephen. That, this one actually is a lot easier for me than Pearl or Amethyst. Yeah. I mean, um, Garnet just like is, you know, just like doing her own thing. Yeah. And not that Steven also isn't, but Steven like very much is listening and understanding and, uh, okay, well, I don't know right. why. Well, I'm going with Steven. <laughs> Great. And so I'm going I with Garnet. So we did it. Works out just fine. Um, and if you don't watch Steven Universe, then none of that meant anything to you. Uh, and if you do, <laughs> then boy, did you love that segment. <laughs> um, Kenyon, goodbye. Oh, <laughs> hello and goodbye. Thank you. You Beatles. say goodbye. I too say goodbye. <laughs> oh, goodbye. Uh, <laughs> uh, bye bye now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, divas. We love that is brought to you by Kenyon and Jerome. Our music is by Sophia Campomore, and our art is by Griffin Keller. And please drop us a line at we love that podcast at gmail.com. Rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll half a marathon. What? It's a race here in the San Jose Bay Area. It's a race? I don't see race. <laughs>